Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, guys. Kinsey here with the To Die For Daily podcast. And I am with, well, I'm kind, this is a big get for me. Valentine Lowe, as you know, I found you online. I messaged you months ago saying, oh, I'm, tr- I'm trying so hard to get you on my podcast. It's finally happened. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me because I have seen how busy you are and congratulations on all the success of, of courtiers because it's what everybody's been talking about for what, six months now. Well, thank you for, thank you for having me. And um, sorry, it's taken so long. <laughs> well, no, you're a big deal. So this is a big deal for me that I finally get to talk to you. Um, did you expect uh, for courtiers to be as successful as it's been to, to be across splashed across so many headlines um because i you know it's i think it's probably an intimidating thing to sit down and write a book like this you're you're showing the secrets behind the curtains behind palace walls um so was it intimidating and then a relief to see how successful it was I wouldn't say it was intimidating, but I mean, I'm extremely pleased and, you know, gratified to see how successful it's been. I always thought it'd be quite successful, not because I'm brilliant or anything like that, but just because I thought it was it was a, kind of a good question to ask. Uh, and it's a question which hasn't really been asked before. Who are the people uh, who operate behind the scenes? They We refer to them all the time. People make passing references to them. Harry makes references to them in his book spare but no one's ever really had a proper look at and i as soon as you know i agreed with the publisher to write this book i thought well it's a good question it's a good subject i think people are going to want to read it but um the, the success of the success of it has been you know i've, I've sat back a bit and thought well wow this has done well I know. That's so great. I'm so happy for you. Um, One question I wanted to ask you specifically, and it's a question that's been on my mind for several years now, and you're the first person to go into it in your book, is Robert Fellows. He He had had to have had one of the worst predicaments in the royal fold ever because he is without a doubt dedicated to the queen. But, yeah. you know, he is married to the sister of Princess sister, Diana, exactly. I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is married to the sister of Princess Diana. And he but but, you know, he never shakes. He never he is 100 percent dedicated to the queen. And then we also find out he's somehow related to Fergie. Uh, what what did you learn about him? What can you tell us about him? Because he's always been one of the most interesting characters to me. Well, I, I think one of the fascinating things is is the, is the way. Diana deceived him uh, and the terrible position that it put him in. Um, So after Andrew Morton's book, uh, Diana, Her True Story comes out, uh, Diana denies initially having anything to do with it. Uh, And, you know, Robert Fellows repeats this. uh, And then later it emerged that Diana was completely behind the book. She was feeding uh, Andrew Morton all these tapes through her friend James Goldhurst. Uh, And it put... um, Robert Fellows in a terrible position, uh, uh, and um, he offered his resignation, and you know, it, it was declined. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, the Queen wasn't having it; she didn't think it was his fault at all. But interestingly, if you if we read some accounts, it seems that you know, towards the end, when when Diana was was getting divorced from Charles, um, she still had a a decent relationship with him, so they managed to patch up whatever differences uh, that had been, but it had been awkward for a little while, I think. 
And, you know, why are people put in a situation like that? Because that seems kind of incestuous, like that she that the queen would have somebody working for her that was sort of related to Diana. I don't know. It feels like a conflict of interest is it did. But he was was he with the queen prior to him marrying into Diana's family? Uh, I can't remember what what point he married in Diana's family, but um, I guess the point is they 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 get these people from a narrow gene pool, you That's know, whether, true, right? whether it's whether it's courtiers or potential brides, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they come from a, a certain circle. So, and you know, Fellows was the son of. Uh, I, can't, I think someone who worked on the Sandingham Estate was either the game warden yes. or the, yeah, something like that. Um, uh, and of course, you know, Diana was very well connected with the royal family when she met Charles. And of course, Charles had been out with her older sister Sarah. Uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's circles, it's wheels within wheels, isn't it? Um, it's a fascinating world. And That's right. The queen, the queen used to joke about how. Uh, Robert Fellows was the only one of her private secretaries she'd held in her arms when she, he was a baby. Oh, um, yes, that's yeah. right. So it really, he truly was just so intertwined. Um, so I asked my Twitter followers if they had any questions for you, and the majority were they were the majority revolved around these NDAs. Now I don't think any of us are going to know what the specifics are of the NDA, but I, my personal question about the NDAs would be. Do any of these people want that kind of attention now? I mean, even if they were released from their NDAs, do you really think they would want to sit in front of a camera and talk about, you know, that these were terrible experiences for them? Some of them said they were traumatized by working with the Sussexes. Um, so do you really think that they would even want to come out and, and to discuss it, even after it's, spare? It's a, it's, a very, it's a very good point you make, uh, because a lot of them would absolutely not want the attention. Uh, some of them were very reluctant. Even when I was writing the story about Megan allegedly bullying staff, a lot of them were very reluctant to have much to do with that. They, they Some of them grudgingly confirmed a few details. Uh, and others... Although they're very angry, they're very angry to this day about Harry and Meghan, about what they did, what they've said about them, they would think twice, if not three or four times before coming forward uh, publicly. So uh, I wouldn't hold your breath. You know, it, might happen, it might happen, but um, I wouldn't count on it at all. Wow. Um, one uh, of my listeners named Wendy said that she I think she said it was Sam that maybe had made the statement that they had been played. And she wondered if you knew the definition of that. When she said we've been played, is it the idea that you've mentioned several times before that perhaps Megan never wanted to fit in and everybody was bending over backwards for somebody that always had an exit plan or I think, yeah that I think it's very much that and I, okay. I certainly have never confirmed who said uh, we were played okay. um so people can speculate all their all they like right but yeah I mean, a lot of people felt that um Megan never had a long-term interest in staying within the royal family she was looking, you know, for an out from the get go. That's what they feel, you know, whether they're right or not. But it's 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 their interpretation, and they were in there at the sharp end. Well, Wendy suggests, and I'd like your reaction, that perhaps Meghan always wanted to marry Harry. Uh, have you ever 
gotten the sense that Megan was out, was pursuing Harry specifically. I mean, she was a socialite in London. She, you know, you know, wanted a lifestyle there. She was trying to establish herself there. Was the ultimate objective a prince? Uh, I've not heard that. Um, you know, we've all heard the, the accounts of um, how they were introduced. This blind multiple, date. multiple accounts. We've heard multiple. Yeah, multiple <laughs> accounts. We've heard, and most specifically, we've heard Harry's account. Uh, so I'm not sure that's the case. Um, people might think that. People think all sorts of things, but I don't particularly buy that. Right. Well, I, you know, Wendy was really eager that you come on the podcast. So I had to read her question. So thank yep, you so much. So thank yeah. you so much to, to Wendy. Um, what is your opinion on how Catherine has handled all of the chaos surrounding Megxit and everything that's, that's followed, you know, Harry and Megan's leaving because she does seem to handle everything with an amount of grace that I don't think I'm capable of. Yeah. I mean, uh, she does handle it with the grace. She comes in for a lot of criticism in, in Harry's book. It's quite interesting. She, you know, he starts off by betraying her almost like a sister. You know, mm -hmm. they were very close. They got on terribly well. Uh, and later, the portrait he paints is of someone rather cold and frosty towards Megan. So uh, I think she must be feeling quite bruised uh, by that. But, you know, she and William have both gone out of their way not to react uh and you know and they've definitely told their staff not to go around sort of giving briefings about what they feel about the book and about the netflix series so you know uh i'm sure they're smarting on the inside but um they've kind of they've dealt with it they've gone on gone on with the job uh and you know i think i think it's paid off there their popularity seems to be bouncing back uh, while that of Harry and Meghan seems to be on the on the decline. Ah, that's a good point. Um, so you said Netflix. I did have several people ask me, could courtiers become a show? So it's It feels like Downton Abbey. There could be those, you know, where you get to meet the people behind the scenes and the little quirky instances that they find themselves in. Um, can you can you see that? Would you be interested in something like that? I could certainly see that. It would. I would certainly be interested. Let's see what happens. Okay, Netflix. If you're listening, we, yeah, we have exactly. we have a winner. Ding ding ding. Uh, is there anything you left out of the book, and not legal, not for legal reasons? Because I obviously don't want to get in trouble either. But anything that just made you know the cutting room floor because you were like, wow, I have a similar story on you know chapter six, or um, something that you found out after the fact that you were like, oh, I wish I would have gotten that in before it went to print. Uh, no, the only things that got got cut out. Uh, I mean, one or two legal things, obviously. Um, but a certain amount of history, basically, I wrote too long a book initially, and we had to lose some material. And so a lot of the stuff that happened in the early early 20th century in the monarchy uh, had to go, which was a shame because it was, it was interesting stuff around the time of George V and so on. But, um, you know, there are history books people can read to catch that up. Well, that's interesting that you say that because a lot of the comments were, I bought it for Harry and Meghan gossip, but what I actually loved were the older stories. So mm -hmm. maybe there's an, a chance for you to bring that 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 content back because that yeah. a lot of the feedback I saw was, you know, I really got lost in the older stuff. I didn't realize I was going right. to like that so much. Um, do you have any other stories about the Queen and Thatcher? Um, Ginger Jones wanted to know this because she loved a story in the book about uh, the Queen and Margaret Thatcher, and she wondered if you had any others. 
Um, I'm trying to remember what what I said about the Queen and Margaret Thatcher. Um, Dennis was involved. Ah, yes, Dennis, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Dennis story. Yes, the one about... um, her for her Lord Chamberlain saying 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 to her, uh, did did uh, you know did did yeah in your conversations with Thatcher, uh, you know did did she ever get a word in? Did the Queen <laughs> ever, get word, ever get a word in? Uh, and yeah, that was very funny. And Margaret Margaret Thatcher saying, oh, we had very full conversations, and Dennis Thatcher saying, Margaret. <laughs> um, there is another story, and um, I can't remember which African leader it was, but there was some summit, uh, and um, that it was the Thatcher era, and the Thatcher was there, and it could have been Kenneth Callender, it could have been someone else, I can't remember, I'd have to look it up, but uh, um, at one point the Queen is talking to him, and then she says to him something like, you better be careful what we say, because... Don't look now, but we've been watched by the British Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, I love that. I just love those little moments where you actually get a sense of their personality and their sense of humor because those are buried in some of the in in just in general in life, it feels like these those moments are buried in the chaos of, you know, a Windsor fire or a a Princess Diana. So yeah. that I love those stories. Thank you for sharing those. Um, I, I, was, I was just reminded of another one, uh, yeah. not particularly to do with Thatcher, but uh, it was slightly earlier era during the Labour government, during James Callahan's Labour government of the late 1970s, I think. Uh, they uh, There was a state visit by the Romanian dictator Nicolae Ceausescu, who's an kind of evil despot, a kind of horrible, horrible man. Uh, and... Um, the Queen, of course, really didn't want him in her house. Yeah. Uh, but she, she, you know, the Constitution says, you know, she has to do, uh, has to have these people on the advice of the government. So she had to have this horrible man, this horrible wife, um, in order to seal some arms deal, I think it was. Um, anyway, in an off moment, uh, in between sort of as we're engagements, she's, she's walking the corgis in the garden of Buckingham Palace and she sees Ceausescu and his wife coming down the path and she absolutely didn't want to talk to him. So she hid behind a bush. <laughs> You know, actually, my honestly, my favorite story from your book is that the queen would allow certain members of her staff to bring their dogs. And there's one specific story you tell, I believe it's about a lab where she's passing in a car and actually bows her head to one of the employees dogs that's around around the the palace, which I just thought, oh, I love that. I love that story. How sweet is that? I'd never heard that before. Yeah. uh, you were recently in the United States, is that correct? I was, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, Patty Ann wanted me to ask you, what is, uh, as somebody from, you know, across the pond, what did you feel like the sense was about the Sussexes in the States and the Wales family? Did you get a sense that the Sussexes are declining in popularity? Did you get a sense that we're sympathetic towards the Wales family? What was your take while you were here? Okay, well, I, I, I've, been, I've been here a couple of times recently. They're both quite short visits and i can't say i really tested the temperature the first one was in the autumn to boston uh with the Waleses, and then in january i i came over to new york to do some publicity for the uh u.s edition of courtiers um and 
on the Boston trip, that was when things were going quite wrong. So we'd um, the Netflix series was about to happen. That's right. Um, and there was quite a lot of negative publicity because a trailer was dropping for the Netflix series. Um, Lady and- Susan Hussey. Yeah, and uh, and as I was see, and the other thing was the Lady Susan Hussey story uh, broke uh, while they were there. But what struck me was not only was there still a very warm reception in Boston for William and Kate, uh, but also the kind of media was prepared to take them on their terms. So they were they were there to to for the Earthshot Prize, that's William's big environmental thing. Uh, And although a lot of the media was taken up with talking about Lady Susan Hussey, of course, they still also talked about Earthshot and the environment and the reason why William and Kate were there. So just, they they said basically, William and Kate, if they're prepared to take Boston and the US seriously, we will respond and reciprocate by, by taking you seriously. I thought that was quite interesting. And, you know, one, you know, and then going forward into New York, I definitely got the impression while while the Sussexes are still more popular in the US than they are in the UK, uh, I did definitely feel that their pop- popularity was receding. I just felt quite a lot of people had 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 enough of them of of their moaning, essentially. I agree. Uh, we're not really like you know that kind of country. We're kind of like a you know pull up your pull up your bootstraps and go to work and figure it out. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like that the tone we're we're looking for. Uh, I had one question here that asks if you felt like the queen took direction from the courtiers, or if she would, you know, was an independent thinker. But I felt like you answered that in the book, right? There were several moments where you say, "No, the queen said you're not half in, half, half out." Yeah, I yeah. mean that's one specific example when they were doing the the exit negotiations for Harry and Meghan. Do you really feel like the Queen was always in control, but you know did listen to people's advice? And I think that's a really great question because Harry paints the picture in spare and in a lot of these interviews that she's manipulated by these people or some of these people that don't have her best interest at heart are in charge. Uh, Harry, uh, Meghan makes a similar case kind of during the Oprah Winfrey interview when she's trying to differentiate between the palace or the firm and the queen I think I think it's a it's a complex picture uh you can't say one's in charge and the, and the other isn't uh, I think as you, as you say uh, there's definitely occasions instances where the queen takes the ultimate decision as so makes it you can't be half in you can't be half out um but um it is true that the courtiers, you know, sort of keep the show running. Uh, and there was a time, a famous instance, when Harry and Meghan were coming back from Canada uh, and they were trying to tell the royal family that they want out. Harry wanted to meet the Queen. The Queen said she'd, she'd, she'd agree to see him in Sandringham. And then before he was able to leave Canada and come back, uh, someone came on the phone and basically said, uh, no, actually, you can't see the Queen, turns out. Uh, and then when Harry spoke to her, um, she said, oh, yes, I'm, uh, basically, I didn't realise I was busy. Yeah. And she she clearly had been lent on by the courtiers there. Now, I, I don't think Harry's lying there. I'm, I'm sure something like that happened, but it happened exactly as he portrays it, but I'm sure something like that happened. Uh, but 
there are two interpretations there. The one is, you know, she was manipulated uh, by these evil courtiers who, uh, you know, use her for their own ends. Or alternatively, that her private secretary said, actually, maybe it's not a good idea uh, to see Harry. We should have a united front. We should do this properly. And actually, she saw the wisdom of not seeing him. Um, so it's a rather... You know, it's a rather patronizing, condescending view of Harry and Meghan's to think that, you know, poor old Queen is sort of, you know, a puppet uh, yeah. manipulated by these evil courtiers behind the scenes. It it show it implies she hasn't got any strength of character, hasn't got any any, any agency of her own. And I think that's that's a sort of simplistic view. Um, but it's it's a complex picture. Um, but there and there, there are definitely times when you know the Queen would reject advice. You know there was when when, when uh, in the nineteen eighties, uh, in an era when she did not pay income tax, she finally decided agreed to pay income tax in nineteen ninety two. But in the eighties, her private secretary William Heseltine uh, wrote a paper saying, "I think it's about time you know the Queen considered paying income tax." Uh, and the answer came back, not right now, thanks very much. Not yet. I need a minute. <laughs> um, do you think that looking at the report you originally released, which, you know, really rocked the royal watching community at the time because we were days away from the Oprah and Harry interview, Harry and Meghan interview. Do you think looking back at that and how you know, that was a big deal. That was you were breaking a really tough story that you knew you were going to get pushback on. Even, you know, there could be legal ramifications potentially. Yeah. Do you look at with Archwell what's happening now? And I mean, truly, I, I'm not exaggerating. It does feel like a revolving door of employees here in the States, of you know, in the creative department. Um, not, I don't I, I, I don't really am not familiar with the charity sector, but in the creative department, the creative department, there are they are going through producers and they are going through people that are just are supposed to be managing all of this content that, that we barely seen any of. Does it justify or does it make you feel better about your reporting on the allegations of it, there, it being a difficult place, these people being difficult to work for, allegedly? It certainly makes me wonder about whether the pattern of them being difficult to work for is continuing. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't make me feel better because I never had the slightest doubt about what I wrote anyway. Um, right. But I, you know, you know, I'm I'm this side of the Atlantic there, that side. I don't know what's going on with Archwell, uh, really. Uh, it will be fascinating to find out and maybe one day someone will. That's true. That's true. Um, well, is there anything else you'd like to tell my audience? I I was so excited to talk to you that I just blew through all of my questions. And, and no, no, and I know that's I, I nothing particular. Um, there will be a paperback edition out at some point when uh, there'll be more material, and uh, I have an in, extremely interesting revelation about Catherine, uh, <gasps> but I can't share it now. Oh my gosh, that is the teaser of a lifetime. I'll quickly put you on the spot really quick before I let you go. What do you think will happen with the coronation? Are are you predicting a Harry and Meghan appearance or are you predicting that they'll sit this one out? I think, uh, well, set, I'll, I'll tell you what the, uh, the view of people within the palace is, that he will probably turn up, she will find a reason for not turning up. And that sounds pretty plausible to me, but I don't know yet. 
That's a very good response. I love how you're you're very um you're very intelligent in everything you in 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 the way you respond. I need to be more like you instead of being like, well, oh, let's gossip. I have got to be better about that, and I've got to be better about the word. You, no, no, I love your energy. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. I, I'm sorry I missed you in Boston. I hope I get to see you somewhere in the coronation chaos because I would love to meet you. I'm a huge fan. That's very kind. Yeah, I'm I'm here. You know. Uh, and I'll be there at the coronation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sir. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Very nice talking to you. Thank you for having me on the show. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Today for Daily podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you mind leaving me a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts? This is incredibly helpful to me because this algorithm tells other people that are interested in the royal family that I exist. Uh, if you do so, I'd love for you to screen grab and send that to me either over social media or uh, my email address is kinsey at todiefordaily.com. Between now, we're, we're around the beginning of March, 2023, and April 1st of 2023, if you could leave me that positive review and send me a screenshot either over social media or email, I'm giving away a PW Union Princess Diana sheep hoodie. Um, it's like a hoodie blanket. So it goes past your knees. It's so cute. I'll tweet a picture of it too. But I, I want to give away a gift between now and April 1st. If you leave me a positive review for my podcast, you could be the new owner of a PW Union Princess Diana Black Sheep hoodie blanket. Hoodie blanket. Save it. Hoodie blanket. Hoodie blanket. Um, and I'd love for that to, to go to your house. I'd love to send you that. So please leave me a positive review. I would greatly appreciate it. And it's really beneficial to me. Uh, it just takes a few minutes, but it does improve my chances of being seen by a new audience. So thanks in advance. I appreciate you. And thanks so much for your, your questions for Valentine Lowe. They were incredible. Talk to you soon.